0: The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Okay, so last week we began this brand new series on the book of Jonah, and so uh, since confession is good for the soul, I have a little question for each of you this morning. I want you to raise your hand um, if at some point in your childhood, say um, between the time that you were able to walk and maybe, let's say, when you got your driver's license, raise your hand high if you, like me, ran away or tried to run away from home at least one time, sometime when you were a little kid. Let's come on, let's be honest. There we go. Look around, see? So the interesting thing, the interesting thing about the whole run away from home thing, especially when you're little, right, when you're a kid, um, it, it's all about the away, isn't it? I mean, you're not really thinking a whole lot about the two, right? Like you ran away and you got to the end of the driveway and you were away, um, but, but where were you going to? Or you ran away and you got to the end of the street or the end of the block, or if you were like me, up the tree in the backyard, right? And so you were away. But really, where were you running to? Now, here's another question for you. I don't want you to raise your hand this time. But how many of you have actually tried to run away from God? And so you run away from God, that's not like you pack your bags and you go somewhere, although that certainly could be a part of your runaway from, from God story. Run away from God is more like, okay, I kind of know better. Right? And even though I don't know everything maybe that the Bible has to say or everything maybe that God has to say, I kind of know that if I were to ask God, okay, God, what is your will for my life in this situation, I kind of already know what it is that God would say. And if I'm honest, I just don't really want to do that And so it's more like I'm just going to kind of, you know, tone down my conscience. I'm going to turn down my my conscience a little bit by saying, okay, there is no God. Or maybe if there is a God, you know, he's like the creator. But then he went off to go do something else, and he's just really not interested. He's really just not paying attention. He, He doesn't really care. He's not personal. And so consequently, what you did is you adjusted your picture, right? You adjusted your understanding, perhaps, of who God is, and so you ran away from God, um, but you ran to a relationship. You ran away from God, or you ran to some kind of a a business arrangement, or some kind of a job, and probably um, the the terminology, if we were sitting down, and I were talking to you, and we were having a discussion about this over coffee, probably what you would say to me, um, or maybe what I would say to you, is I kind of, you know, turned my back on God, right? Maybe because you feel like, or you still feel, like perhaps God actually turned his back on you first. And maybe really it was just over one particular issue, right? It wasn't like you just decided to to jettison your ent- entire faith in God. It's not like you abandoned God. No, it was just kind of over this one particular issue, this one s- situation, is because God, I want to do my own thing with that. And it's not like it's not like you, you don't pray. I mean you you still pray right when you would get in trouble. But but you didn't pray prayers of surrender, right? I mean no, it was more like God, I just want your your focused attention, right? God, forget about all that other stuff. Just just right here. God, just on this one thing. Just focus with me, God. Just right here. Just this. I've got everything else handled. Right? See, the truth is. The truth is for many of us for all of us really we basically kind of run from god for the same reason right if we're honest um many times uh, we just don't want to be told what to do and so um we're afraid right we're afraid that if we surrender to god that we're going to miss out we're going to miss out on some good experiences in life we're afraid maybe that we're going to miss out on some some good people in fact, maybe you're running from God's story. Kind of has a scenario, um, somewhat, lo- someone like this one, um, right? You, um, you kind of know that, um, that that God wouldn't want you to be involved with her, right? Or be involved with him? And you just just kind of have a feeling that if you were to ask God, you know, his, his opinion, this just wouldn't be the person that God would choose for you. But see, at the same time, what you struggle with and what you think, even though you would never say this out loud, um, what, what you think and what you feel is like, okay, God, anyone can become a Christian, right? We believe that. Anyone can become a follower of Jesus. Um, but see, not everybody can be that cute, right? Not everybody can actually be that beautiful. So what I'm going to do, God, is I'm going to kind of get into that relationship. I'm going to lock that relationship down. And then, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring her right with me or I'm going to bring him to church, right cuz your rationale is like well if i don't date her if i don't date him then how are they going to know uh, about jesus right that way i can kind of have my cake and eat it too and meanwhile you kind of picture god up in heaven going oh my goodness that's a great idea i never thought about that you found a loophole way to go good job right we say no to god because because we don't want to miss out on something good the, the other reason why many of us end up saying no to god or we run from god is because we actually confuse Life with God, right? Life doesn't go so well, and that's kind of the equivalent of God not doing so well for us. And so um, we kind of confuse life with, with God, and and because life doesn't go so well, um, we think, okay, well, why would I want God to be a part of my life? I mean, look how God slash life has treated me, right? And if that's how God is, I don't want any part of that. Why would I want God involved in my life? And so we confuse life. With God, And so we, we run from God. We abandon God. And see, it's this whole idea of running from, from God that we're talking about together over the course of these several weeks as we study the, the book of Jonah. And see, if you are new to faith, right, if you're new to faith either as a church or uh, as in a relationship with Jesus, then one of the things that you should know about us as a people is that we deeply, deeply believe that the message of God's grace is the single most important message that we can preach. That is, it is, in fact, the theme of the entire Scripture, both Old and New Testaments. And the story of Jonah is perhaps one of the best stories to illustrate God's relentless, relentless grace. And also our tendency... Not only to run from God's grace, but to actually run from God himself. Now, last week, Pastor Tony did a great job kicking us off and getting us started. And he gave to us both an interview with Jonah and kind of an overview of some of the major themes that we're going to jump in and discover together over the course of these four weeks. And we know that for some of you, this whole idea of God's grace is kind of new to you. Or, if it's not new to you, for some of you, this is just an idea that, that if you're honest, you kind of struggle with, kind of like Jonah did. Because, see, for many of us, the truth is there is a little bit of Jonah in all of us, isn't there? Take out your Bibles, open them up to Jonah chapter 1, which is on page 1436, if you're using one of those Bibles in the seat back in front of you. Now, If when I say Jonah, the very first thing that pops into your mind is whale, fish, and veggie tails, right, then chances are... Right? Chances are that's because the part of the story that you know the best or the part that you think about the most is in fact the part um, that we were introduced to last week. And, and maybe you're sitting there today and you're thinking to yourself, Okay, surely, um, surely you, you don't expect me to believe right, that a man um, was actually eaten by a, a fish slash whale and actually lived right, for however many days. The Bible says three days. And and so if that's you today, if that's if that's you today, if that's kind of your uh, objection about this, I, I want to give you a, an out, right? Because really, really, the, the book of Jonah and the story of Jonah is really about running for, from God's grace. And see, that's where 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 my life and probably for many of you, your life, kind of intersects with the story of Jonah and his life. And I don't want you to miss that. So if you have a hard time swallowing this whole thing, right? Couldn't, sorry, I couldn't resist. Um, if you have a hard time with all this, I just want to give you an out today. Um, and, and, and so many of us were actually... I was raised to believe that these events actually happened. Many of us were raised to believe that these events actually happened, and I do believe that they actually happen. And, and the reason why many of us were actually raised to believe that is because this story doesn't take place within the context of a fairy tale. This story actually takes place in the context of history. Right, One of the, the, the places that we are introduced to, a big part of this story takes place around a city called Nineveh, um, which we were introduced to again last week, which was in fact a real city. In 750 BC, it was a major trading city. It was a part of the Assyrian Empire. And in fact, it's a city that still exists today in northern Iraq. It's known as the city of Mosul. Maybe you've heard about that. Now, if this story took place in the city of Narnia, as opposed to Nineveh, then maybe we could believe that this whole thing was a fairy tale, and we would say, well, there's no way I can actually believe this happened. It was nothing more than just a fairy tale to to inspire us. But see, we know that Jonah was a real person, right, because he's referenced in multiple books, including other books in the scriptures. And most importantly, 750 years after all these events take place, Matthew tells us that Jesus references Jonah and he makes a really big theological point about himself and about his own life by speaking about and referencing Jonah's life and by comparing himself to Jonah. And so, Jonah believed that Jesus believed that Jonah actually lived. And more importantly than that, Jesus believed that the events surrounding Jonah's life, as recorded in here, really took place. And so because of that, right? many of us were believed, raised to believe that these events are, in fact, true. Now, put all that aside for a moment, and, and, and there's this whole other argument that could be made, right, which is to simply say this. If you believe in God at all, Right? If you believe that God had anything at all to do with the fact that there are now human beings in this world right now, however he was involved in creation, that he had something, that he had anything to do with there actually being human beings today. right? Here's something just to, just to consider. Us human beings, not God, right? us human beings, we have actually created a way for entire communities of people to live underwater for months and months and months at a time right? Nuclear submarines, they go out to sea with a crew of over a hundred people, and they stay submerged for six, seven, sometimes even longer months at a time without ever breaking the surface, right? So here's kind of my thinking with all this. If God created us, who in turn could create a nuclear submarine that can sustain more than 100 people underwater for six months at a time, then maybe we could actually just cut God some slack and say, okay, on your own God, maybe you could pull it off for three days for one guy, right? Maybe just a thought. Okay, seriously, if this is where your struggle is, if this is where your struggle is, I want to give you an out, okay? I want to give you an out. If you believe that this is a myth, and this is important, so hear me, And by myth, what we mean is an intentionally fictitious story that when it was written, the author who wrote it never actually believed that anyone would ever take any of it to actually be true or real, right? That's what a myth is, right? If that's how you view, if that's what you believe about this story, the truth is I am so glad that you are here, right? I want you here. You are welcome here. I want you here for this entire series. The only thing I'm going to ask of you is simply this. Just think about this story in the same way that you think about your favorite movie. The movie that has inspired you to be a better parent. The movie that has inspired you to work hard. The movie that has inspired you to actually be a hero amongst your friends. The movie that you know that even though it's based maybe on history, none of it it actually happened. None of it really took place but even though it didn't really take place you were inspired in your real life to do real things because of a movie and a story and characters that never lived a movie that actually made you appreciate your wife and your kids and your job and your life in such a way because it never you never had thought about those things in that light before right if you cannot buy the story of jonah as being a part of history The only thing that I would ask as we're in this series is that you just think about it the same way that you think about that movie. Now, Jonah, as we discovered last week, as we learned last week, Jonah is a prophet, right? And a prophet always has a difficult job because the job of a prophet is always to deliver a message that nobody wants to hear. Now, in our world today, um, those people are actually called parents, right? 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 Yes, exactly. And isn't it true that even in our world today, right, even in our world today, every once in a while, God actually sends a prophet into our lives. Somebody shows up and they say, hey, listen, I know it's none of my business, um, but but I I want to talk to you about a couple of things. And and you say to yourself, okay, um, you're right. That is none of your business. Um, But if I'm honest, right, if I'm honest, that is something that I, I do need to hear. Well, see, God, not only does God send Jonah to a group of people who do not want to hear from God, God sends Jonah to a group of people who had never even heard of God. And so God said to Jonah, right, I would like you to visit these people in Nineveh, and I would like you to tell them that Yahweh, the God that they don't even know exists, is angry at them. And if they do not repent of their evil, if they do not repent of their violence and their sin, then I'm going to judge them, right? And Jonah, like you, and Jonah, like me, said to God, no thank you, right? I would like not to do that. So God, I am not going to do that, right? I still believe in you, God. I'm not jettisoning my faith in you, but God, that? No, no, thank you. Right, so verse 3. Jonah, right, Jonah, he ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard, and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, here's the interesting thing. When Jonah decides to run from God, he literally runs From God, he he truly ran right. Again, you saw this picture last week, right? Here's Israel, right here. This little strip of land, right here. Jonah goes from wherever he lives down to the city of Joppa. From there, it's 550 miles by land to Nineveh. Jonah decides to go 2,500 miles in the opposite direction by boat, all the way over to Spain. Right? He literally goes as far as he can travel in his day in the opposite direction to say to god god i'm just not going to do that and see the truth is that's part of your story too isn't it right because at some point in your life god said to you i want you to actually go in this direction over here and you said to god well i'm actually going to go in this direction God said to you, I don't want you to be involved with that group of people. And you said to God, well, that's exactly the group of people I'm going to be involved with. God said to you, I don't want you to date her. I don't want you to date him. And you said to God, no, that is exactly the person that I'm going to date. I mean, isn't it amazing if we're honest that every single one of us, if we think back over the course of our lives, we either have a whole segment of our lives or maybe an area of our life where we said, God, I am just going to do what I want to do. Now, having spoken to, Right? All kinds of different runners over many different ages and stages of life. Having been a runner, right, for a good chunk of of my own life. I mean, there are several things that are actually true about people who decide to run from God. And interestingly enough, this map actually demonstrates the first one. This is why I wanted you to see this again this week. Right? When people run from God, they actually run to the strangest places. Jonah decides to run from God, and so he decides to get on a boat. Right? This would be like you saying, okay, I'm going to run from God. I think I'm going to take up bullfighting. I'm going to run from God. I think I'm going to take up base jumping. Right? I'm going to run from God, so I think you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take up free climbing. Right, you decide you're going to run from God, and so you decide to do the most dangerous thing that you can imagine or think of doing. Right? Jonah decides to run from God, and so he decides to get on a boat, but not just any boat, a boat that's going to be out to sea for the longest amount of time possible. See, do you know what I have seen and probably each of you have seen at some part of your life and perhaps what's even part of your story is that when people run from God, they actually run to the strangest places. I cannot tell you how many times in my life as a pastor Right, when I have sat down with, with, with people who, in rebellion to God, decided that they were actually gonna get involved in a serious romantic relationship, maybe even get married in some cases. Right? Like that's a safe decision. Or maybe perhaps even do the opposite. Right? People who decide they're just so sick and tired of the whole church thing, right? Sick and tired of the whole God thing. And so they decide that they're going to go out and get themselves a divorce and then go into a brand new relationship. Or people who decide to run from God and so they run into all kinds of debt. People who decide to run from God and so they run into some kind of a shady business arrangement. Right? People, When we decide to run from God, we often run to the strangest places and see here's why. When you run from God, you are running from the source of wisdom and truth. And when you run from the source of wisdom and truth, you invariably run to things, you make decisions based on things that are not true and will not necessarily fulfill. When you run from God, you run from the source of wisdom and truth in your life, and you do that in terms of your relationships, right? Because all the prophets in your life, All the people who come knocking on your door saying, Hey, listen, can we have coffee? Can we have lunch? Right? There's something that I want to sit down and and talk to you about. Right? When we run from God, we run from the source of wisdom and truth, and we also run from the people who reflect that wisdom and truth to us. And so you unplug from your small group, you unplug from serving or from leading here at church, right? All of a sudden, your calendar is just too busy. It's just way too busy. I have way too much going on for any of that that church stuff. Why? Because you have kind of pushed God to the side. You're holding God back at arm's length. See, when we run from the sources of wisdom and truth in our lives, invariably, we make decisions based on things that are not true and will not necessarily come through for us. And that is literally, that is exactly What Jonah did, he ran to a place that made absolutely no sense at all. Now, if while I'm saying all of this, all of a sudden the seat starts to get a little bit uncomfortable and you're kind of squirming and you're like, okay, how did he know? Did my mom send him an email? What's going on? It's not that I knew. I don't know anything, okay? Listen, I'm not that good. Right? This is just simply what all runners do. See, when we are running from God, we think that we are rugged individuals, right? We think that we're stronger, we think that we're slicker, we think that we're smarter. We think that we're unique, we think that we figured something out, right? It is not unique. You are not the first one. This is actually a well-established pattern. And then the next three words in the following verse, in verse four, these next three words, these are amazing words. In fact, we're going to bump into these three words repeatedly throughout our time in in this book together. Because the beginning of verse four starts like this Then the Lord, right? When you are running from God, eventually you are going to have some then the Lord moments, some then the Lord events in your life. Then the Lord. He sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid. Now, again, remember, these were men who had sailed this route many, many, many times before. They had seen storms before, they had been in rough seas before. These were not men who were easy to scare. All the sailors, all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship, which meant that now, This trip was going to cost them money. That when they actually arrived in port, they were going to have to pay for the cargo that they threw overboard. That's how desperate and how scared these men were by the storm. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. See, the second thing that we notice about runners... Right? is that runners, and again, this may be a part of your story as well, I don't know, but runners are often the last people. The runner is often the last person to actually make the connection. And see, what makes this so difficult is that this is so easy for us to see in somebody else's life, and at the same time, it is so incredibly difficult for us to see in our own lives. Right, As an outsider, as a parent, as a grandparent, as a friend, Maybe as a son or a daughter, right, you watch somebody else's marriage, you you watch your parents' marriage, you watch some individual's life kind of begin to unravel. And from the outside looking in, you see the decisions that this person is making as they try to run from God or turn their back on God. And you look at the chaos that ensues, you look at the consequences, you look at the results, And it's just so incredibly clear to you, right, that these these things are actually connected. Meanwhile, the runner is the last person to get it. Jonah actually goes down below the deck of the boat and he goes to sleep because he just doesn't make the connection. I mean, there's this incredibly fierce storm outside, a storm that we have never seen the likes of before ever, that nobody has ever seen before ever. Could this possibly have anything to do with the fact that I am running from God right now? See, do you know what this means if you're a runner? Right? Do you know what this means? It means that the people who actually love you the most, they're going to see this in your life before you do. And they will be the ones who play the role of the prophet. They will be the ones who come to you and say, listen, there are these two dots that I would like to help you connect. But see, when you are running, right, when you are running, it is hard for you to actually see the connection between the decisions that you're making in the moment and the chaos that eventually, right? Dare I say, always ensues in life. And so Jonah goes below deck and he goes to sleep. Meanwhile, the captain comes down and he wakes Jonah up and he says, Hey, Jonah, we're having a prayer meeting up on the deck. We would love for you to come to our prayer meeting. Right, and so they all pray. Meanwhile, the storm, it just gets worse. And so then the, the sailors, they decide to cast lots, right, which is basically like drawing straws. Now, this is something that happened. It's not necessarily something that, that you should do. But see, again, remember, these sailors, they wanted to try to figure out what was the cause, right? Who was the culprit behind this storm? Because they had seen storms before. And they knew that there was something different about this one. Something so violent, so fierce, so random, so out of nowhere that they knew that there had to be something other than just nature behind it. And so they cast lots and the lot goes to Jonah. And so they ask Jonah, okay, Jonah, what's going on with you? What's your story? Who are you? What's up? And so Jonah says to them in verse 9, well, I'm a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Now, this terrified the sailors, and so they asked him, Okay, what did you do, right? What have you done? They knew that he was running away from the Lord, because he had already told them so. And so these sailors, they say to Jonah, okay, what what can we do? What can we do to stop this? And Jonah said, listen, the only thing you can do is throw me off the boat. And the sailors say, no, we're not throwing you off the boat. If we do that, you're going to die. And so they try and try and try to actually row the ship back to, to shore. Meanwhile, the storm just gets fiercer and fiercer. And so then these men do something very, very interesting. Do not miss this. These men who did not know the Lord, who did not know Yahweh, who did not know Jonah's God, they pray to the Lord and they ask for forgiveness because they can see there is something bigger than them that is at work in this situation. And they realize that they have to sacrifice the one for the many, otherwise the entire ship is going to go down. And so they throw Jonah off the boat and then in verse 15 it tells us, that the raging sea grew calm. Now, when I was a kid and I pictured this story in my mind, what I always pictured was these sailors kind of giving Jonah, right, the old heave-ho off the side of the boat, and then once he went into the water, he sank down into the water, and then all of a sudden, the sea's calm. But that's not actually what the text says, is it? They throw Jonah into the boat, or off the side of the boat, he goes into the water, he doesn't sink, right? No, he's going to swim for his life. And so while he's out there swimming, all of a sudden the sea begins to get calm. Now, meanwhile, these, all these sailors, they're up on the deck, and the sea's calm now. It's like, okay, now what do we do? Like, there's Jonah. He's 10 yards, 20 yards off the side of the boat. It's like, hey. Like, what do we do? We circle the boat around and pick him back up? It's like, what do we do? And then in verse 17, we bump into those same three words again, those powerful words. Right? But the Lord. But the Lord. See, first it was then the Lord. Now it's but the Lord. See, if you are a runner, you may be the last to see it. You may be the last to recognize it. But because of what it is that happens next, I can promise you that there will be some then the Lord, but the Lord moments in your life. Because listen, don't miss this. When you run, right? When you run, God does not abandon you. But the Lord, right? But the Lord provided. He didn't condemn. He didn't turn his back on. He didn't abandon. He didn't walk away from. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. And then look at this next verse, awesome verse. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And see, in that moment, in that moment, Jonah discovers what eventually every single runner also discovers, which is simply this. You can run from God, but you cannot outrun God. You can run from God in your relationships. You can run from God in your whole life. You can run from God in a portion of your life. But you cannot outrun God. Right? And this isn't, okay, God's coming after you. Like, I'm going to get you, my pretty, and your little dog too. Right? That's not. Right, that's not what this is about. I mean, if you've always thought about the story of Jonah as being the story about an angry God who's really angry because he can't get Jonah to do what he wants Jonah to do, right? This is not the story that that is not the story of Jonah. That is not true at all. Right? If that was this story, it, verse seventeen would be would read like this: It would be, "But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish." Period. Right? End of story, because end of Jonah. You can run from God, but you cannot outrun God. Because see, all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Bible, we are reminded, both Old and New Testaments, we are reminded that God views you and God actually views me as a child. That throughout both the Old and the New Testaments and especially under the teachings of Jesus that we are actually told, we have been instructed, right, in our finite way of understanding God, we have been instructed and and told to view God as a Heavenly Father because that is as close as God could actually get to describing Himself to us as finite beings in a way that we could understand. And so God... Goes after Jonah. And as we pick it up next week, as Jonah discovers, God goes after him not to pay him back, but to win him back and to bring him back. And see, the cause behind those then-the-Lord-but-the-Lord moments in Jonah's life had everything to do with the very same thing that motivated your mother and motivated your father to go out looking for you when you ran away from home. It was not to pay you back. It was to bring you back. And see, here's the thing. If you are overtly, right, or maybe for you it's subtle, maybe you're running from God is completely covert right now because you've kind of hidden it underneath a whole big pile of theology and excuses, right? Like nobody's ever done that before. Right, if you are running from God, God will do whatever it takes to actually bring you back. He is looking for you. And see, here's the good news. He will not stop. He will not cease. The psalm tells he will not slumber. He will not rest. He will not give up. He will not stop looking for you, Because not to pay you back, but because he wants to win you back and bring you back. And the entire reason, the whole reason I can stand up here with absolute confidence and actually say that to you, even though I do not know the depth of your running, even though I do not know the extent of your resistance, Even though I don't know your story personally, the reason I can stand up here and say this to you with absolute confidence is because 2,000 years ago, our Heavenly Father sent His Son into this world to pay completely for your sin so that you would not have to be punished for it. Payback has been dealt with. Right? From the cross forward... It's win back. It's buy back. Listen, that's the mission of our church, isn't it? Win back. Bring back. And see, the truth is, the truth is, you can run from God, but you cannot outrun God. And see, you may not know this yet. That may be the best news that you ever hear. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, if we just kind of take all that in for a moment, and if we just think about the amazing, how amazing it is that every single one of us can find our lives somewhere in the pages of a story that was written more than 2,700 years ago. Father, if we simply stop and think about that for a moment, the truth is just that, just that is miraculous. And so, Father, for those of us who are here today and who are running, and maybe we're running very overtly, very publicly, or, Father, maybe it's covert. Maybe the truth is the only people who know about the running are you and me as the individual. Father, I simply pray that you would work in every single one of our hearts today that your Holy Spirit would move in such a way that Jonah's very next words would actually be our words. When Jonah writes, in my distress, in my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. And so Father, I pray And I ask that in these next few moments that each of us, as we personally and silently confess our sin to you, as we call upon you, Lord, maybe even as we cry to you, that in our distress, you would hear us. The promise of Jesus is that if you are running, your heavenly Father is welcoming you home. And that because of Jesus' death on the cross for you, payback has been dealt with, punishment has been dealt with, that your sin, it is truly forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.